Good morning, friendship. Happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. Um, we are taking a quick little one-week sidebar from our Tomorrowland series. We're going to focus on moms today. You know, as I was thinking about this weekend, uh, I did want to spend a little bit of time just talking about and to moms. You know, as I'm thinking about Mother's Day, when did this thing get started? Well, back in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson, he signed a proclamation designating Mother's Day, held on the second Sunday in May to be a national holiday to honor mothers. And now there was this, this particular lady named Anna Jarvis who was pretty instrumental in, in, you know, in the years prior to this, getting this thing off the ground and kind of you know, founding Mother's Day, but by the 1920s, she all but despised Mother's Day because it had become so commercialized. You know, Hallmark began to produce these pre-printed greeting cards and it just became this, this whole industry, which we know it to be today as well. But you know what, moms, it's, it, moms are a special breed of human, right? They are special people. Because mothers, you know, their love and their, their tenderness and their care, uh, these are reflections of the gospel. And they point us to the love and the tenderness and the care of, of Christ, our Savior. So moms are special and they are absolutely worth celebrating and, and honoring. But I do recognize this, that Mother's Day for many is, is a difficult day. It's a difficult day for many, for a lot of reasons. And I want to read you this quote from a, a woman, a, an author and a professor. Her name is Janelle Williams Paris. And she said about motherhood, she said, motherhood in the Bible was not a fairy tale. And she says this, the fairy tale of marriage and motherhood is just that. It's a fairy tale. Our culture is one of motherhood deferred due to later childbearing, motherhood disrupted by divorce, motherhood lost by infant or child death and miscarriage, and motherhood unachieved due to infertility and undesired singleness. Of course, our culture also includes wonderful families with strong marriages and happy children. The point is that there is not a one-size-fits-all journey of womanhood, and we hurt women in our churches by venerating one path over all others. And so she makes a great point that, and there's no one-size-fits-all kind of mother. There's all kinds of, of moms. There's single moms. There's foster moms. There's adoptive moms. There's, um, there's all kinds, older, younger, grandparents who, who are, grandmothers who are functioning as mom. I think, you know, this whole idea that motherhood is, is, is no fairy tale in the scriptures or in real life. Uh, think back with me to the very first experience of motherhood ever. And who was the first mother that we know of? It was Eve, right? Adam and Eve. God created Adam and he, he, he then created Eve from his side and brought her to him to be his wife. And the first mention in the scriptures we have of, of, of motherhood is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 where God brings Eve to Adam and says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And you know Adam and Eve have to be asking the question, well, what is a mother? 
because you know God has formed these two humans as full-grown human beings. There's no, there's been no such thing as a father or a mother up to this point. They are the first humans, and they're fully grown adults. And we know the story. God, God blesses them, and He gives them all of this abundance in the garden to enjoy. But He gives them one prohibition: Don't eat of this one tree. What happens? The serpent comes and tempts them, and Eve takes of the fruit, and she gives to her husband to eat also. And God comes along, and 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 you know, with their sin that has entered the human race, He proclaims a curse on the serpent and the woman. And Adam, and he says in Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And again, Adam and Eve have to be looking at each other going, what are children? Again, there's been no such thing. What is childbearing? And wow, what's it, how's it going to be painful? And so there's these questions that you have to be wondering. And it makes me wonder the question, if there had been no sin, if there had been no curse, would childbearing be pain-free? It's a great thing to, to, to ponder, right? But this is this idea of, of motherhood is being introduced. And a couple of verses later in Genesis 3.20, this woman who, if you look at it for like a chapter now, has had no name. Adam called her woman because she was taken out of man. And he comes along here in Genesis 3.20, after God has said, you're going to leave your father and your mother and hold fast to one another. He says to the woman, I'm going to multiply your pain in childbearing and in pain you shall bring forth children. Um, and then he gives, gives the woman a name. It says in Genesis 3.20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Uh, Eve, that her name means life or life giver. And so before she's ever given birth, before she's ever produced life, had a child, Adam, he's put all these dots together and he's given her the name Eve because she is the mother of all living. As you move into Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve have their first child. They have a son and his name is Cain. And they have another son and they name him Abel. And what you see in this chapter, Genesis 4, is the very first mother has her very first child ever. And that very first child does something. He murders his brother, Abel. And so the very first experience of, of motherhood, God tells Eve, you're going to have pain in childbearing. And she does. She has a son, and it's apparently painful. But then her very first child, the very first child ever, is a murderer. He's a killer. And you thought you had a dysfunctional family. I mean, this is the, the very introduction of motherhood in history. And so from the very start, we see that this, this motherhood gig is tough. It is not easy. And so God has given this high and holy and special calling to some tough people. And I would say this about Mother's Day, that Mother's Day is a day for both grace and gratitude. Grace and gratitude. Grace because I know how mamas think and how mamas feel. 
Mamas feel the weight of not being perfect, of not measuring up, of feeling like they're failures. At least sometimes they feel this pressure to be the perfect mom that weighs on them. And so this is a day for grace. For those of you that are moms, for you to receive grace, to have grace on yourself. Maybe for you it's a day to have grace on your own mother that you can admit that she wasn't the perfect mother, that no mother is the perfect mother, and that we can have grace for them because it's a tough thing to be a mom. It's also a day for gratitude. It's a day to have gratitude for your own mother, for God giving you your mom, and for the love that she's been able to show you. It's also a day, moms, for you to receive gratitude. I know some of you have a hard time being praised or being, uh, being put under the spotlight, but this is a day for, for you to receive gratitude, and you deserve it. So take it, okay? This is a day for grace and gratitude. You know, I believe God uses all kinds of people to do His work in the world, and He uses all kinds of people to represent him and to reflect him. But here's what I know to be true. I, I know that, that this would be the testimony for many of you. I know this is the testimony of scripture, that godly mamas change the world. Godly mamas change the world. And we see that in, in a lot of different stories of moms throughout the scriptures. And we could go to a number of, of those, um, and I think it'd be great to do that. I think you could see all kinds of stories of how mamas not only change the world for their, their kids, but literally they change history. And there's some great examples in scriptures. But what I want to do for just the next few minutes is I want to focus on one mother in the Bible, in the New Testament. And it's one we don't talk about very often, all right? I thought about talking about Hannah, the mother of Samuel, and she's got a great story in, in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. I thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus. We could see her story in Luke chapter 1, um, you know, in the book of John, John chapter 2. There's a great story about her at the wedding of, of Cana. But I want to I wanna focus on a mom that is kind of goes under the radar, but one that I think is an incredible example in Scripture. And there's not a lot written about her, but I think what is written about her is, is powerful and something that we could learn from. Now, moms, I, I do want to give you a disclaimer. I, I don't want you to look at this example in any way, shape, or form, feel like I don't want it to, to, to shame you or to bring guilt upon you, and I don't want it to weigh on you as if you don't measure up. Okay, I want this to be an, a simple example that you can look to and be encouraged by, that a normal, everyday, imperfect mother could be used by God to do incredible things. Okay, and so I, I pray that you would would see it that way and, and receive it that way today, okay? The mom that I want to talk about in Scripture is found in the, the epistle of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And we're talking about the mother of Timothy. Her name was Eunice, all right? And so let's talk about this. Let's, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and in, in case you're unfamiliar with who Timothy is, let me give you a quick bio of him. He was a young man. He was a young son in the faith to the Apostle Paul, 
one of the greatest Christians and missionaries the world has ever known. Timothy was kind of his protege. He was a young pastor in training who trained under the apostle Paul. He, he, Paul was a spiritual father to him. Timothy would, would later travel on some missionary journeys with Paul as Paul was planting churches and, and establishing the gospel throughout the known world in the first century. He would later pastor a church at Ephesus also. So Tim Timothy was a mover and shaker in the early church, right? a young man that God used in a mighty way. And when you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing, this is the second letter he is writing to Timothy, his, again, this, this young pastor, his young son in the faith. And he writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, he says this, Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. There's two things I want to look at when it comes to this mother of, of Timothy. And actually, this, this goes beyond just mama. This goes to grandmama. Okay. We see he talks about grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice. And here's the first thing that I want us to see is that a godly mama possesses sincere faith. A godly mama possesses sincere faith. What Paul says, again, he says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And so what Paul is pointing to is this third generation faith. Not that we can inherit faith from our parents. We have to own our faith. We, we have to put our faith in Christ. And there, there are no spiritual grandchildren. We all become children of God by putting personal faith in Christ. So because our parents or grandparents were followers of Jesus doesn't automatically make us a follower of Jesus. Okay? Make sure you understand that. But what we're seeing here is that grandmother possessed a sincere faith. Lois had the sincere faith. And then her, her daughter, Eunice, followed in her footsteps. And she also developed a sincere faith. And then third generation, Timothy, he also developed a sincere faith. But it all started with grandma and then mama. And each one of them possessed sincere Faith, sincere means without hypocrisy. It was, it was not fake. There was nothing fake about it. It was a real faith, a living faith in the living God. And so moms, here's, here's one I want to encourage you with today. The most important task for you as a mother, by far, without a doubt, is this. It's for you to possess a sincere faith in Christ personally. It's not about the kind of mother you are first. It's about the kind of follower of Jesus you are first. It's about you possessing faith, a sincere faith in Christ. It's not just about making your kids go to church. It's not just about making them read Bible stories and, and, and praying a little bedtime prayer. 
the most important task for you as a mom is this, possess sincere faith in Christ yourself. Because here's what is true. You cannot pass down to your kids something that you do not personally possess yourself. And so if you want your kids to follow Jesus and have a sincere faith in Christ, it starts with you possessing a sincere faith in Christ yourself. Don't ever underestimate that. Don't ever forget that your faith and your relationship with Christ is the most important task in your life. Father of Jesus, daughter of God, comes before mother of your child. That is the most important task for you. Grandmas, let me talk to you. Let me encourage you today because you are a mama and you are a grandmama now. What your grandkid needs from you the most is your sincere faith, not your spoiling. Now, I know some of your grandmas are like, back off, preacher. Back off now. All right, I get it. I get it. All right, I feel you. I'm not telling you not to spoil your grandkids. Here's what I'm telling you. The most important thing you can do is possess sincere faith yourself. Possess sincere faith yourself so that your kids and your grandkids can see that. Here's something else we see from this example of, of Timothy's mother. A godly mama provokes firm belief in God's word. A godly mama provokes firm belief in God's word. Flip over a couple pages to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul's still writing to Timothy here, and he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's some, some disagreement among, amongst theologians about who this is referring to when it talks about who you learned this from. Was it, was it, is he talking about the apostles or is he talking about his mother and grandmother? Well, I think, from, I think it could be some of both, but I think it primarily rests on this idea of verse 15, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings from childhood. The apostles weren't involved in raising you. Eunice and Lois were. They were present. They were the ones who helped get you acquainted with the sacred writings, the, the Word of God, the Scriptures. And Paul encourages him. He says, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. So when you, when you trace it out, here's the process. Uh, Timothy learned. He became acquainted with the sacred writings. He learned them. And then he became wise unto salvation. He became wise to salvation. He understood what salvation was and how he, he could receive salvation. And then he received salvation by expressing faith in Christ. So he learned, uh, became acquainted with the, the sacred writings. He became wise unto salvation. He expressed faith in Christ. And then he developed firm faith or firm belief in God's word. This is the process. And this is how it happens. This is what happens for all of us 
who grow and mature in our faith. In order for us to get to a place of maturity, it requires someone who possesses sincere faith to provoke us to firm belief in God's word. This is what it takes. Think about it. If you have grown in your maturity in, in, in Christ, it's because someone in your life possessed sincere faith. Like it was real. It was the real deal. You saw that in them. And they, through their life and through their relationship with you, they provoked you. They pushed you, encouraged you towards belief in God's word. They pushed you not to depend on yourself and your own wisdom, but on God and his wisdom and his word. And this is what Eunice and Lois did in the life of Timothy. They provoked him to firm belief in God's word. And Paul said, Timothy, continue in that. Continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've firmly believed. Because from the time you were a child, your mama and your grandma provoked you to this kind of belief in God's word. They made you acquainted and familiar with God's words. And so moms, I know some of you, this is intimidating for some of you. When it comes to the Bible and teaching your kids the scriptures, you are intimidated because you say, I don't, I don't know everything. I don't know it all. I'm not good with theology. And here's what I want to tell you today. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know it all. But you can still provoke your children, grandmas, you can still provoke your grandchildren to a belief in God's word. You can provoke that in them. You don't have to know everything to provoke an interest in them, in the word of God. The best way, I believe this, I so believe this for parents, the best way you can prepare your kids for life is by provoking them to God's word, to believe in God's word, to understand that his word is the authority, that his word is, is, is what we can depend on, that we can, we can point to his authority, we can point their dependence to him and his word and not on ourselves only. The best way we can prepare our kids for life, moms, the best way you can prepare your kids is by provoking them to a firm belief in God's word. They need that. They need that from you. And so just a few verses, but I think so much is said about this mama Eunice and this grandmother Lois and the role they played in the life of Timothy, this, this, this young man that God used to pastor many, many people to plant churches, to spread the gospel throughout the known world under the tutelage of the Apostle Paul. God used this young man in a huge way. But where did it start? With the influence of a godly mother and a godly grandmother. That sincere faith at first dwelt in Lois and then in Eunice. And now, Paul says, I'm persuaded it dwells in you too. They were the ones who from childhood provoked you and made you acquainted with the sacred writings. They're the ones who set this firm foundation for you. And man, it allowed you to flourish and to take off and to be used by God to change the world. Why? 
It started with godly mamas. Godly mamas change the world. And you know what? A godly mama is not a perfect mama. You've, you need to know that this morning. So those of you that are, are so used to beating yourselves up, a godly mama is not a perfect mama. This is what a godly mama is. Proverbs 31, verse 30, the, the, the writer says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A godly mama is not a perfect mama. A godly mama is a woman who fears the Lord. You know what? Throughout Scripture, it talks about praise, 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 and it's almost exclusively used of praising the Lord. But here the writer, the Scriptures say, a woman who fears the Lord, she is worthy to be praised. Let me finish with what I think is such a powerful, encouraging quote from Pastor Andy Stanley. He says this, Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. That son or that daughter that you are loving and doing your best to raise in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that may be your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God. That may be your greatest contribution to the world. And it's, it doesn't require superwoman, but it does require a godly mama who fears the Lord, one who possesses sincere faith, and one who provokes her child to firm belief in God's word. Now, I know you're not a perfect mom, but I know, I know that those are two things that you can do. You can possess sincere faith in Christ, and you can provoke your kids to put their faith and their belief firmly in the Word of God. And I'm telling you, there's, there's, all, there's a whole host of other things that we could talk about, and examples even in the scriptures that we could point to, but I think the foundation of a godly mother are these two things. And again, today, Mother's Day, I wanna say again, Happy Mother's Day to you. Remember, today is a day for both grace and gratitude. And so let me encourage you, Give and receive tons of both. Amen. Father God, this morning I want to say thank you. Thank you for every mother that is listening and watching today. Thank you for calling them into this high and holy calling, for equipping them with everything they need to be able to fulfill this role that you've called them to. God, you never call us to something that you don't empower us by your spirit to fulfill. And so Lord, I pray that every single mother that is listening today would know and believe and be convinced of the reality that you have called them to this role. And because you have called them, you have equipped them and empowered them by your spirit and through your word to be able to do this. Lord, again, I pray for every mom that they would be encouraged today, that they would allow today to be a day of grace and gratitude, that they would give themselves grace, that they would give their own mother's grace, that we would all be full of gratitude. And Lord, for mothers, that they would be able to receive gratitude as well today. 
Lord, I thank you for every example of godly motherhood that we, we, we have all experienced in our lives and in our church family. Lord, I thank you for godly moms and for the way that you have used them and are using them in our lives. I thank you that they are a, a picture and a reflection of the gospel, the love and the tenderness and the care of our Savior for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless every, every mom. Lord, I pray for those who are, are struggling and are hurting today. God, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would encourage them. You know their hearts. You know their needs. And Lord, I pray that you would, that you would show up today for them and that you would be strong on their behalf. And so, God, I pray that you would bless moms today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.